Test, test, test. One, two, three. Yes, I am. It's your boy, MSW, with my man, Shannon. And we are testing the sound for this video. Ugh. I'm still bracing myself to watch this thing. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. What up, everybody? It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Tusei, here with another episode of the Saved and Woke podcast. So today's episode is going to be pretty special. On this episode, I am watching and commenting on Anthony O'Neill's video, Why the Racial Wealth Gap Still Exists Today, with his white panel. It doesn't require too much explanation. So without further ado, enjoy. What up, everybody? I am here again with uh, Save the Woke MVP, my cousin Shannon Smith. And today is going to be a different episode. I don't think I've ever done a show like this before. So a while back, uh, one of our cousins, uh, uh, Joey, yeah, Joey. He don't mind if I say his name. My, my, our cousin Joey. He sent, he sent us this video on our family uh, ch chat thread and our text thread, and he was like, "Juan." He was like, "What do y'all think of this this video?" And when I saw it, I rolled my eyes. And the reason I rolled my eyes is because who made the video? It was a, it was a, it's a video called. Let me see. I don't want to mess it up. It says, "Why the." why the racial wealth gap still exists today. Hashtag white panel. And I mean, some of y'all might be confused. Like Juan, that sounds like something that you'd be very interested in. Uh, that's something that you would like. Sounds like maybe a, a, a sounds like an episode of Saved and Woke even. And yes, I would agree. Except for who made the video and who conducted the interview. It's a, it's a gentleman by the name of... Anthony O'Neill. If you all follow me or my wife at all, you know that we are pretty big into Dave Ramsey's uh, total money makeover plan system, the seven baby steps and all that. And we are. Um, Anthony O'Neill is actually one of the guys on his team. And when I first found out about Anthony O'Neill, I thought it was just cool because, you know, it's nice to, you know, representation matters. And I, I like the way that Anthony O'Neill presents the information. I also like how committed he is to getting the information to specifically black people and, and, and also to kids. Like he's a really good, he does a really good job. He does the best job out of, I think, any of Dave Ramsey's staff of communicating uh, financial principles to, to, to kids, specifically high school kids. And that's, I, thought, I mean, that's probably because he's the youngest person on, on, on staff. And I mean, he seems like, he seems like a very cool, very, very nice guy. Um, but lately, I haven't been too keen on content. And that's just because uh, in the aftermath of the, the George, the murder of George Floyd and the protests that... Uh, ensued afterwards I just didn't like 
I didn't like his response to it. And if I can, I will include it right now. <laughs> so y'all can understand my point of view. So you guys, it's time for me to address it. And um, I normally don't address a lot of things that happen off, uh, that happen uh, throughout the world uh, because I'm very big on making sure that I'm not just posting about something, but I'm also doing something um, about it as well. But I do not disagree with posting something about it because it brings awareness and thank God uh, for awareness. We know that without awareness, uh, without video footage, uh, Ahmad killers would still be free today. And so I'm grateful uh, that as a community, as a world, we were able to address um, and to bring awareness to that situation. Um, what's happening <laughs> in America today during the year of 2020, I have no words for it. What some have experienced and what a lot of us have saw is pure evil. Racism um, is pure, pure evil. To see George, to see a, a young man that looks like me crying, um, saying I can't breathe. Yet again, another brother saying that. For him to be calling out for his mother. All I can think about is, what if that was me? What if that was my only blood brother, John? What if that was my only brother-in-law, Glenn? What if that was my nephews, Theo and Uriah? What if that was you? And it saddens my heart to see a young man go out that way. It saddens my heart to see Breonna Taylor be taken from our world that way. It, it saddens my heart to see Ahmad just jogging, just running, be taken from us that way. It hurts. And as a proud, proud black man, it hurts. And I'm angry. <sighs> Watching what's going on in the world today uh, with a bunch of angry individuals who are tired, uh, who are fed up, uh, who want to see change, I totally get it. I'm blessed and privileged to do what I want to do and have the platform uh, that I have. Uh, but I can relate because um, anytime a police officer pulls me up, I've been nervous. Uh, I haven't been fearful, but I've been nervous. Uh, I refuse to allow anybody to have that much over me that I'm fearful because I operate in faith. And I know a lot of us are saying, oh, we don't need the spiritual talk right now. But I'm a spiritual man. I'm not a perfect man, but I'm a spiritual man. And I have so much faith in my God that I know 
that he can change anyone's mind. He can shift any atmosphere. He can change anything. So I'm going to put all of my faith into him, not into me, not into my anger. The Bible clearly says, be angry, have feelings, but do not sin, but do not respond in a negative way. I agree with peaceful protesting. If you read the book of Acts, and I think it's in chapter 16, uh, Paul was wrongfully put into prison and he peacefully and righteously uh, protested both spiritually and legally. And so biblically speaking, it is okay to protest, uh, but there is a wrong way to protest. And that wrong way comes from destruction, rioting, looting, destroying people's businesses. People have worked hard to, 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 to start a business. People, we are out here looting and destroying small businesses when it is the small businesses that is helping out our economy, that, that are giving people jobs. And my heart goes out to these people. They didn't do anything to us. I'm seeing the news on CNN. I'm seeing the news on, on, on Fox. And I'm seeing the news that, that small businesses who sells purses and they sell shoes and they sell jewelry are coming back to nothing. We need justice. Those police officers need to be in jail. What happened to George was wrong. I agree with peaceful protesting. But right now we need unity. We need love. We need wisdom. We need a revolution. <laughs> we need to come together. I'm so grateful to see peaceful protests with both white and African-American black brothers and sisters. I love it. I love it. And I love it because I work with amazing, amazing white people who I know love me and I love them. We need unity. We don't need hate. We, we don't need death. We don't need fire. We're fighting hate. We're not becoming hate in the words of Pastor Roberts. We're fighting it. We're fighting evil. We shouldn't become evil. And I mean, pretty much what I, what, my, my issue with that, with that video is that, or his response is that he was, he admitted that, you know, what happened to George Floyd was wrong and that racial violence, especially when it's committed by the police, is wrong 
Um, but he said it, he said, he said that part pretty matter of factly. And that was a pretty short part of his video. I think it was like three to four minutes, but then the rest of his video was just this impassioned, this impassioned, uh, admonishment of all the, of the protesters and the, like, I guess specifically the riders that, uh, that destroyed businesses, the small businesses. He was more upset and there was more emotion and more pain in his voice over, the destruction of the physical locations of these businesses than the loss of human life. And that did not sit well with me. All right. So that brings us to today's video. Uh, so yeah, my cousin, he asked us, he was like, yo, what do y'all think of this? And if it was a short video, I might've watched it. But I was like, man, this is 20 minutes of this dude who has been rubbing me the wrong way for a minute and I want to make it clear that I'm not trying to blast this dude I'm not trying to get y'all to hate on him because I, like I said I think he's a good guy I just like right now I, the way 2020 has been I am not really too interested in just hearing dissenting views or just wrong information just because I've, I've heard it so long and really I'm just trying to figure out where I can go and where I can plug myself into to be a catalyst for for change uh, there are some times when i think people have valid opinions or valid concerns but there's some people like if especially if i think you should know better <laughs> then i'm just like man I'm, I'm not gonna waste my time uh just watching your content and also it doesn't really make sense like why would i consume content from somebody that i know i disagree with that i know i disagree with that i know is gonna make me upset it's not like i have access to this person and i can talk to them and maybe like share some of my opinions and have like a substantive conversation. So I was like, what am I doing watching this stuff? Why am I putting myself through this basically? But I mean, I thought it would be interesting. I was like, man, if I am going to watch this video, I'm going to make it worth my while and I'm going to make some content out of this. So what we're going to do today is Shannon and I, we're going to watch this video together. Neither of us have watched this video. This is also something special because usually when I would invite a guest, I will have already consumed the content and know what's coming. But ah, I don't know what's coming. Either. Yeah, no, we will. Yeah, we will see. And you know, and like I was saying, yeah, I really don't know anything about him uh, aside from, you know, I try to look him up, like just what his name is about and this and that. And yeah, I just know. I guess he talks about money. Some that's like he talks about money a lot. That's his yeah. whole, I mean, yeah. You t if you work in a, if you work with Dave Ramsey, you mostly talk about financial freedom. Uh, and he and he definitely does that, and he's good at that. Like. I mean, if he was planning my finances, I know they would be in good hands. And mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to shoot down his like, you know, specialty. And I think that's, you know, probably something that influences his, uh, I guess, I don't know. I would say lack of awareness when it comes to social justice and the history uh, or like just the, the legacy of racism in our country. Cause I mean, cause that's not, that's not his field. He works in finances. I know he knows more about money than me, but I know more about this than him, I, I believe. And actually, I, I, I still don't even know because we haven't watched the video. We could be pleasantly surprised. So what we're going to do, and I had told Shannon something else when we first talked about this, but I think it would be more enjoyable if as we watch the video, we like comment and, and pause where, where necessary and... uh you know, we're still not going to make it too long. So if it gets like, if it gets up to that hour mark, we're probably going to have to uh, 
cut this into multiple episodes, but that's that's fine. That's that's more content for y'all. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is what we're going to do. We're about to watch this video. I will include the link in the description. But again, it's why the racial wealth gap still exists today on um, Anthony O'Neill's YouTube channel. So give me a moment, Shannon. I'm going to share my screen with you, okay? Ooh. Okay, here we go. I'm like, I'm really like nervous. Every time I make a move to click the video, <laughs> I feel, you know, that, that like that, that nerve feel your chest. Yeah. Yeah. Technology will mess you up when you need it the most. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me, I want to make sure I can see your face too, Shannon. Mm-hmm. Hold up. I want to see your reactions. <sighs> yeah. I guess another thing is like, I mean, another reason I'm kind of like nervous to watch this is because I get re- when we talk about racial stuff and then like everybody, all the invited people are white. I don't know. It makes me, makes me wonder about the, about the validity of the information that we're about to receive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's an odd thing. And, and, and I don't know. I, I know for me, sometimes I'm like, depending on you, sometimes there is, I don't know, good things or like discussions that come from those exclusive places so so I, like i do believe there is a space where like white people need to be together and talk about race like because there are some things happening and you know and there are some uh other groups that are like let's talk specifically about in our community what we do or what we haven't done you know about race uh to help it or what we're doing that has been harming it but then yeah it is always a little scary because you're like like you still want to make sure that they're not just sugarcoating things or whatever so yeah i don't know what we're gonna what's gonna happen yeah and last comment before i go and another reason is because i'm like what what can they say about the racial piece because like when you are when if racism is not directed at you i kind of think of it like this i don't know if this is a great example but like so when you play laser tag i remember i went to laser tag it was like this adult laser tag and it was so fun Right. The thing was about them, like when I remember when I was going as a kid, like you could see the lasers going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I did that sound effect. Um, and but with the adult laser tag, like the guns look like real guns. It was like it looked like a Glock and a shotgun and an AR. And with those, it was like you don't see like you said, the lights there, but, you know, it, like we can't see the light and you know you got hit because your your vest will your vessel will light up and make this like really loud noise. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think that's kind of how like racism is, is because racism, if it's, if it's not aimed at you and you don't believe that someone is shot when they tell you that they're shot or that they're affected by it, then you're not going to know it exists because it's not aimed at you and you can't see it even when it's being, fu- when, even, even when it's um, at work. And so that's why I'm like, I mean, what would these, how would these people know? Unless maybe they, maybe he got the, the most, he maybe he got the wokest white folks up in here who work right. with people of color and go out of their way to make sure that they're hearing the stories of other people and believing them. Anyway, like I said, that's the last comment. We're about to play this thing right now. Racial wealth, why the racial wealth gap still exists. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. What would you say is the average net worth 
for white families in America? I'd say 100,000. Okay. I think 250,000. Quarter million. Quarter million. Okay. Two hundred and fifty. Maybe even a little higher. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, two hundred. Two hundred. Yeah, I'm like twenty-five. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of white people in a room trying to figure out how to help out black people. If there's no black person in the room, white people can't figure out how to help right. exactly. me. Right. You, you don't know me. That's right. You know, you hear me, but you don't know me. It's not a matter of we open the door, there's nobody knocking. It's like, all right, guys, it's just us white dudes then, right? And when we get in the room, you do have to surrender. It's here. It's it's here. There's no surrendering of the skin. I get the choice to actively right. take those blinders off. I don't think that's the solution. Good start. Black family. Hmm. 80,000? I would guess across the whole country, mm -hmm. it's negative. Okay. Significantly lower. Significantly lower. The average net worth, y'all were way high for white people, mm -hmm. to be honest okay. with you. Uh, so, so that's interesting y'all think that. <laughs> um, the average net worth for a white person is $130,800. So the average family, uh, white families, $130,000, which mm -hmm. is... I wasn't that far off. You wasn't. Um, <laughs> that number is still significantly low. My net worth better be more than that. Mm -hmm. Okay, but... Black person, you were the closest. Nine thousand dollars. Wow. wow. Hmm. The that's not average. Half. That's crazy. That's, wow. That's that's not half. It's not even a quarter. Hmm. You know. Why? Why? African Americans are going to school. They're, they're getting an education. They're going to prestigious. Okay, I'm gonna pause it here. <laughs> so real quick i'm just like it seems like he is because at, at first i'm like man is he about to just try to fire off some something that he knows is going to be of some content that he knows is going to be like just to get under people's skin just because just to you know just just because but it seems like he's gonna he's trying to actually have like a real conversation about this but then it also asked me if you really want to know the answer to this question why are you asking him mm -hmm. But but I mean I'll say it's it's somewhat interesting because it's like it's a known thing uh, you know in terms of uh, the the racial wealth gap existing it's like they they know it's like white families on average have way more uh, than than black families you know what he's throwing out and it's just interesting like just the numbers it's like and, and it's not even like oh yeah like we know you know it's probably like a thirty thousand forty difference like they knew it was like even though when they they super overestimated it was still like basically a big number compared to a very very low and like just almost like scary number like someone said negative and i mean nine thousand he wasn't too far off you know yeah so yeah that was just that was just one thing i mean and also i don't want to like i mean also the people on the panel they seem you know, they seemed, at least from those clips that we saw, they seemed, you know, like pretty, pretty nice, sincere, and at least like, oh, uh, they were, they seemed like they were conscious of, uh, of uh, the effects specifically on people's finances of, of, of racism. So I'm, I, I am hopeful now that it's not going to be too much of my least favorite thing that I used to do a lot, which is to, uh, blaming black folks for black people, for black folks problem. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and continue. 
just black universities, HBCUs, and getting these education. They're getting the bachelor's degrees. Mm -hmm. They're getting the master's degrees. And still, families are significantly lower. Why? Why do you think there is such a huge wealth gap between African Americans and whites? And earlier you said Latino. They're at 17,000. So they have more money than African Americans. Wow. Mm -hmm. Surprising. But even still, Latino to white is still significantly higher. Mm -hmm. Generational wealth. Ooh. Generational wealth and also... Well, why do y'all say generational wealth? Because if your parents don't teach you how to deal with money, you're going to have to learn the hard way, you know? Mm. Yeah. I was going to say financial education. I mean, is there fun... Do you... I would say, do you feel like... um, I guess that's part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Should I ask that? Um... You seem nervous I, to ask it. Just ask it. What are you asking? No, I, I, I mean, I'm just, it's just. Oh, crap. I didn't mean to pause it there. What I was about to say was, Shannon, you can let me know if you ever want to pause it at any point. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. It's, it's, it's interesting. That, well, they haven't gone all the way around the table yet ans- answering that question, but, but already the first two sort of comments, we got like generational wealth and then education on how to manage money. Uh, which even more interestingly, I, I feel like the the generational wealth ends up being even more important than that because uh, you know maybe these are just anecdotal, but I'm like even like a lot of the the white families and friends and and things like that that I know who are like very well to do, I'm like their their kids, their people that are my age, they don't necessarily know how to manage money. I think better than I do. Uh, but it's just like because of what they were born into. Grandma had, grandma and granddad had this money. Mama and daddy had this money and assets. And then obviously that translates to me, uh, you know, or translates to the kid. So they just end up having more. Uh, so you know, even there, I'm like, the, the knowledge of how to manage is very important. But I think even if you just have a lot, period, you know, that, that's definitely what I think increases that gap. Yeah, I think he might have actually answered the question really well, like accidentally, mm-hmm. because he started, he said generational wealth, which is, yeah, like that's one of the reasons and because we were, black people were kept from building, from building wealth and, and particularly uh, generational wealth. Like they don't mind if we get a lot of money, but they, uh, well, they don't mind if we work, but they don't want us to get a lot of, of wealth, like specifically with, um, with like home ownership like black people are have been for years kept out of home ownership like the thing that created the middle class was the creation of the fha loans because up until that point before before fha loans were were uh were instituted by the government the only way to in order to in order to buy a house you had to pay 50 percent up front and then when you mortgage the rest the you had to pay it off within five to ten years and so if you weren't wealthy there was no way you could buy we could own a home after fha loans though or you could come with zero to twenty percent down and then you could finance it for up to 30 years then that opened it up 
for lower income people to to take part in in in, in home ownership it created the middle class and it also opened up uh, uh, that generational wealth because you can you can when you have when you own land and when you own property you can give it to your to your children and to your children's children you can do that and like i said they don't care if we have jobs because you can't no you cannot pass down a job mm-hmm. you can't pass down your paycheck and your income to your kids when you leave this world when you leave that job that job is immediately somebody else's but home ownership is not not only is it you know uh one of the the main I guess I'd like the foundation for a lot of people's generational wealth. It's like, it's the, this the number one, the number one way for, for the, the number one millionaire creating market or in the U S is, is real estate. And if it's not number one right now, it, it was for a very long time and probably is still top three, maybe, maybe top two. So he, he accidentally answered the question correctly, which is generational wealth. But then his explanation of it was kind of a little off. He was like, cause if your parents didn't teach you, and then, she, then the, the lady uh, after him kind of went into the whole education piece. And so I feel like they're kind of defaulting to, oh, they don't know enough. So again, it's even I don't, I don't think there's malice in their heart, but there's this, this false narrative that the reason people are poor, and in this case, specifically black people, is because they don't know how to manage their, they don't know how to, they don't know what to, they don't know what to do. There's this uh, there's this deficit in them, and so there, there's not an understanding of the societal, political, and economic forces that are aimed against black people to keep them to keep them uh, in, in lower status. Yeah. Yep. Shall we continue, Shannon? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's do this. We're three minutes in. <laughs> um. I guess that's part of it. <laughs> Should I ask that? Um, you seem nervous I, to ask it. Just ask it. What are you asking? No, I, I, I mean, I'm just, it's just, that's just a guess. I have no idea. Yeah, you just, you, so you're guessing that it's because of financial education and the lack of financial education in the, the black community? The lack of financial education, I guess. I mean, if, I, I mean, I guess I would need the percentages of black people who Oh, that was one thing I was gonna. Another thing I was gonna say, because when you said that that comment, I think I think you said was huge about why it's not so much about financial education. When you talked about like your friends who knew pretty much the same amount of, about money as you did, but were still like way way better off. And like I said, so yeah, it's that generational wealth gap. One example. I don't know where these metaphors be coming to me from, man. But so a lot. Of time, I like to play like action video games, adventure video games. Or you have to like level up and your character grows stronger as the, or at least gets more abilities and better stuff uh, as you can progress through the game. Some, like, sometimes games will have this thing set up where like when you, start, when you first start the game, you can play, play new game completely fresh, right? But sometimes like after you end the game, uh, you go back to the start menu, there's this option called new game plus where you start the game over, but you have all the abilities from your first playthrough so every all the powers all the weapons you have those at the beginning and i remember there was just like parts of the, be- the beginning of the game that you know are challenging because you know you're weak and, <laughs> and then it's like you come with these all these new abilities that from another playthrough from so basically from another lifetime 
that somebody at the end of their life gave to you. And you just, it's, it's so, it's so easy. I, I mean, like it doesn't, and I was like, does this make the game more fun? <laughs> um, but it does, it definitely makes it easier. And it's just like, it, it, yeah, it makes the game way, way easier. And you end up, of course, ending the game with, with, with more stuff than you ever would have had, um, had you started like a true new game. And like that generational wealth, I think is like a new game plus to the power of however many people were wealthier left you with something before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like if you had three, three generations of people passing down stuff to you, it's like, then that's like three new game pluses, like everything that somebody, I mean, of course people don't give every single thing, but I think the, you know, the illustration uh, has been, set up it's like it's like a new game plus white people get new game new game new game plus and black folks we get new game with different rules and a broke controller but uh but but also i I like how you mentioned it because this you think of it not only did they you know you get those things but but you're getting the things from someone who beat the game too so meaning meaning they they succeeded in the game so you know yeah so it's not even like okay, this is going to make, this is going to allow me to get the level two a little easier. It's going to be like, no, this, this will allow you to get through the game much easier because they succeeded ahead of you. So you're getting those tools. Yeah. Wow. That was huge, Shannon. All right, we're going to continue. Are going to college and then getting financial education in the community? Financial education, I guess. I mean, if... I mean, I guess I would need the percentages of black people who are going to college and then getting good jobs. Mm-hmm. And what percentage of that is bringing that average up? Mm-hmm. So you need more If there stats. are that many people in poverty below that, I mean, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So again, that's not salary, though. So that's saying that they have a job and they may even have a nice job. They're just yeah. not They don't have wealth. Yeah. They don't, they're not homeowners. They, they don't have investments. They don't have businesses. So they can actually have a pretty nice job. Uh, but but it's just showing that wealth is a, there's a huge gap. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the, the greatest wealth transfer in America is homes. Yeah. And so my parents had access to certain neighborhoods that might have been a little bit different. So their houses... Even if it's the same house, they were able to take out yeah. loans against bigger values, and they passed that home on, or they sold it, and then they were able to buy this house. And so I think the greatest the wealth transfer has happened. I don't, I don't think it's as complicated as that. Black businesses weren't allowed to, to be in this neighborhood. Okay, so right. the value of this was over here, right? Mm-hmm. Or here's a, a row of black businesses. We got to put a highway somewhere over here. Mm-hmm. We're going to put it right here, right? Yes. Or and, loans. I mean, yeah, if exactly. you can't get a loan because you're black. Mm-hmm. I'm going to okay. say something that I'm scared to say. Um, I'm going to pause it before he says this thing that he's scared to say. <laughs> this, yo, because that's, that's like that point where they're like, look, this might be a little racist, but I'm just going to say it. Uh, it's not to be racist, but here's this racist yeah, yeah. comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like. It probably won't be that, but that's... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just excited that they're, you know, they're, they're addressing what I was talking about, like the societal factors, like, hey, black people were kept from being in these neighborhoods. They were kept from starting these businesses. 
high, like the infrastructure was set up in a way that it would benefit white people and disrupt and destroy whatever black people were doing. And then, and then the lady who, who was, you know, who started off saying that it was with uh, education, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. But like you, we, you kind of already debunked the whole education thing, but I think that's cool that she, she knows that, yeah, I mean, black people aren't allowed to get the, the loans for the business. So she, I think it's cool because like you, people, I feel like this day and age of the internet, People try to make you think like, it's trying to make you feel like you got to be a hundred percent woke to every single thing all the time. But I mean, clearly like I'm, I'm not, there's stuff I find out about. And I mean, I went to school uh, uh, to, to study these types of things. So that's why I know a lot. <laughs> and obviously, you know, it's my podcast, so I'm not going to purposely put myself at a, <laughs> in a situation where I'm talking about something I don't know a lot about. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I, I, I admire these people for, you know, coming to this conversation and for sharing honestly. And I'm still kind of like, my Anthony, why you, why you, why you do these people like this? Why you, why you put a camera in front of these people and be like, let's talk about race, white folks. Yeah. But now uh, yeah, they're having a good conversation. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Glad, glad they're, they're breaking it down because yeah, for me, that's, that's one of the first places I, I tend to go to like, like, you know, we, we, we know many of the impacts of slavery and things like that, but I'm like, if I want to make it even more like recent and, and, you know, realistic for you, because, you know, when, when we go all the way back to slavery, which obviously that is, I think one of the, the biggest root, um, people are like, Oh, I didn't own slaves, this and that. But like, when we, when we just go back to as simple as like your grandparents, it's like, you, you know, I, I feel like almost everybody has sort of this, like, almost like family house, this, this place where like they gather and, you know, somewhere in their family possibly. And I'm like, you know, why why is your family's house so much bigger than mine like you know if, if it was grandma's house or whatever uh you know denial uh being denied certain loans and ownership and and even when i when both of our grandparents or great-grandparents fought in the war they were both soldiers but yours was allowed access to a gi bill and maybe mine either got a smaller amount or was denied by some type of um you know arbitrary rule or policy or something like that yeah there are two, there's a, there's a documentary that I want, want to share. I have the, the link to if I can find one, but it, it goes into the history of this community called, called Levittown. It was one of the first, it, I think it was the first suburb in, in America. And it goes in detail about how people were actively kept out of it, how um, black veterans were not allowed to, even though they had their GI Bill, but they weren't allowed to to use it to to purchase to purchase their homes, and it just give it just breaks the history down so so concisely. It's a, it's a very it was a very it can be a very tough watch, a very hard painful watch, but it's really really important. I'll include a link to that if I can find it. Yeah, that was another comment I was gonna make about something you said, but I forgot. Anyway, I think this conversation is going well. Uh, this dude though, he has his comments that he's scared to share. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind it real I'm gonna give I'm gonna rewind it real quick. So excited to hear that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So here we go. Because you're black. Mm. I'm gonna say something that I'm scared to say. Um on top of everything else we're talking about. Mm-hmm. White privilege, generational wealth, mm-hmm. um income disparities, mm-hmm. um discrepancies, um also behavior, Mm. also belief. Mm. 
And in my line of work, I study thoughts, I study behavior, I study what makes something automatic versus willpower, um, and I know a lot about it. And so a brain is a brain is a brain. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with the color of skin or how much money you make. But the brain is absolutely going to look for safety and look for what it is. We do what we are. We do what we are and we don't do what we're what we're not. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at what is coded on my brain as identity. Who am I? So a squirrel, what is coded on my brain as identity? Who am I? So a squirrel is going to do squirrel things. Mm -hmm. Alligator is going to do alligator things. You stick your hand in there, it's going to chomp it off. You know, mm -hmm. not because he's having a bad day, or that he's low on the totem pole. He's a, he's an alligator. That's what he does. So I have my job in life is to figure out who am I, what is coded on my brain, and then to rewrite those because it's limitations. I have limitations. Mm -hmm. I make X amount of money versus X amount of money. Mm -hmm. So there is a ceiling there that I have to bust through. And we all have that work to do. So behavior and belief, I think are even more powerful. I'm gonna say far more powerful than any leg up that somebody has or any privilege that someone has. And uh, I wish that I could take an hour to explain all the reasons why, mm -hmm. but I know this to be true. Yeah, There's, I was holding it in because I was like, I want him to finish his like his statement, his comment. So whenever we, <laughs> but y'all yeah. uh, felt that pause. Y'all was y'all was asking for that pause, weren't y'all? Yeah, but I wanted to let him finish. Okay, I knew it was coming. Yeah, I knew uh, it was coming. <laughs> let's just go ahead, Shannon. That is one of the most privileged things you can say, uh, and like that your belief and your mindset is more important than the, the things like, like that is very important, but you know, like you, you mean to tell me that there's someone, um, someone who's black or brown in the hood, who's getting stopped and frisked by cops, who's getting turned away from jobs, who is uh, in a bad school system. You mean to tell me there's nobody there who wants to be like wealthy and well off more than Mark Cuban did, or more than Jeff Bezos did. You mean to tell me, because I mean, that like essentially they want that for survival, you know? I mean, for survival and thrival. Uh, so yeah, that's why I'm like the mindset thing, like I get it, like, yeah, you have to, you have to be willing to work hard as well. But at the same time, like if you have so many obstacles, like, I mean, you know, it also it also messes with your mind because, I mean, you can't help but think, hey, I'm doing everything that I know to be right, and it's still stacked against me, and I still seem not to be getting ahead, but not only not getting ahead, like, I'm not able to invest because if I have, if I have, like, nothing left at the end of the month, how can I invest? And I'm just throwing this in there. This just reminds me as well. Uh, one of my favorite shows is Atlanta. And so there was an episode there where, you know, like they're all sort of struggling and they're trying to, you know, make money. And so uh, they go to this thing where the guy, um, one of the guys is, is Lakeith Stanfield is his real name. I forget his character's name, but they go to this whole thing and Donald Glover in the movie, he's thinking the guy is going to sell these dogs. And like, like if he sells these dogs, like, like they're worth a lot of money. And he's like, nah, this is what I did. 
Like what I did was um, the, I'm going to, I'm going to sell the puppies or I'm, I'm going to do something like that. And that's going to be even more money. And, but what that was, it was an investment. Uh, Cause like, if he just sold the dogs, he'd get that money right then. But he's like, no, like the dog is pregnant and I'm doing this, this and that. I'm going to sell the puppies. And so the puppies are going to be worth more, but it's going to be a couple months before I can even do that. And dude was like, I need money right now. Like, like, and, and his statement was poor people are not able to invest because we don't have the time. Um, so I don't know, it just makes me think of that. It's like, like, yeah, we have a mindset, but if, if those things are against you, I mean, it's hard to overcome, you know, many of the, uh, obstacles in your way. So I don't know. That's just one of the things I pulled, uh, but yeah, that behavior belief is like, I don't think anyone believes, uh, like, I just want to, I just want to be, I just want to be poor. Like, I don't, I don't want anything, you know, like no one sees a car or a big bank account and says, no, I'd never want that type of money. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to try and address the both points he was making. He was talking about Well, he, he made like belief and behavior has more effect on your life than society i believe that like that is a statement made from a place of privilege and privilege is often invisible to the people who benefit from it so i'm not blaming him for not being aware because he's is it's set up to be invisible to to them to to people who receive it so the piece about belief he doesn't talk about what goes into what affects or what influences your belief so one thing that is unique about the experience of black people and people of color who are living in poverty, that's even different from white people who are living in poverty, like white people or people of color are more likely to live in areas of concentrated poverty, which is basically areas in which everybody you know is poor. Everybody, you know, the person up the road, the person up the block, and definitely people who were living in the projects. That was the, the projects was not. First of all, the projects were built specifically. I, and I, I talk about this in my episode with um, <clears throat> with my man, uh, Keith Woodley, when we go over the, uh, the documentary he, he was in. And those those projects, like the projects in Chicago, I think were the first project. Yeah, they were the first projects ever built. And they were built specifically because white people did not want black people living in their neighborhoods. Like, yo, where are we going to get all, where are we going to put all these people? So they built the projects, right? And so the, all those low-income people were put together. Like never before were people just organized and sequestered in these areas based off skin color and socioeconomic status, but mainly skin color. And so basically, basically when the short answer is when, when all you see is poverty, then it's very difficult for you to believe anything uh, uh, different for yourself and for your future like if all you see is people getting like i used to think it was so weird when i hear, hear about rappers and being like bro i know i'm not even gonna make it to 25 or i hear 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 kids like bro i mean i'm gonna be like what, what do you think they ask people like what do you think you're gonna be like when you're 21 and he's like probably dead or in jail because that's all they see and if all you see is poverty, if your life, if people, if, the, if society, because he says bigger than society, if society has been set up so that this is you, what your existence is going to be like, that is going to affect your belief, is going to affect your behaviors, because um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause the recording real quick. 
because I actually, yeah, I'm going to pause recording. I'm going to get this book because I want to, I want to quote it correctly. All right. So I couldn't find the exact quote, but uh, I'm reading this book. It's called Utopia for Realists. It's by, uh, written by a guy named Rutger Bregman, who is, he's a writer at the correspondent for his work has twice been nominated for the prestigious European press prize. Basically you should look up, uh, look up Rutger Bregman, his Ted talk, look up his interview with, um, Second, what was it? The talk was he was at this conference for. I'll look up the name later, and I'll, and I add at the end of, at the end of this recording. Um, but also look up his uh, interview with Tucker Carlson that did not go the way Tucker Carlson wanted it to. Um, anyway, in his book, he quotes a, a very well known author. And when I find a quote, I will let you all know who exactly said this. But he said that poverty eliminates the future. When you're in poverty. You cannot think about the future. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you cannot talk about saving for tomorrow if you do not think that you will be able to make it through the day. You have to be able to make it through the day. Like, it's, it's a hierarchy of need. First, you got to make sure that you're safe. Then you got to make sure that you're clothed, that you're, that you're fed, that your family is taken care of, and that you have what you need for today and then tomorrow. And if you don't have those needs, if you, I mean, if you, if you don't have, yeah, if you don't have what you need, you have to secure that and you can't think about the future. The future is eliminated. It's a non-factor because like, what's the point of thinking about the future if I can't think about right now? And, and, and then we're going to have to pause in um, uh, the episode right here, but man, he has no idea how many leg ups uh, white people have been given. And, and, it's, and it's cool because like when, whenever black, whenever people of color are given a leg up, it's called welfare. But whenever white people are given a leg up, it is not called that. It's called bailout. <laughs> yeah, it's called nation building. Yeah, nation or, building. Or, or, or bailouts. Um, so, yeah. Final thoughts before we just pause the video here and, and pick it up later. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with it. It's, uh, I mean, it's, there's just so much in the system. And, and, and I mean, even backtracking for a second, uh, I do like how it was mentioned the the wealth uh, wealth versus rich basically, and that that just really sort of struck a chord as well because I I think uh, you were mentioning about you know like jobs and everything like that, and it's like yeah if you if you are rich, like even like best case scenario, let's say you are rich, uh, yeah when you die, I mean your job is going to someone else, um, you know so best case scenario maybe you do have some assets and money and things like that that you can pass on to your uh you know to your kids to your family but like that's been that's being rich and that's like once again that's best case scenario now you know if you're in poverty and then you pass away i mean uh even then there might even be debt that you pass on to your kids and to your family uh, but then you know versus wealth where like realistically if i i mean I always use it the, the you know, the example of say Jeff Bezos or somebody, cause that's just like the richest person I know, like his numbers don't even make sense. Like when you tell me how much money he has, you're just saying numbers. I don't know. <laughs> it's so much. So, but I, I think of him, if Bezos, who's someone who is wealthy, if he passes away, then I mean, all these assets, all these things pass on to his family. And not only is it just like money, it's like companies pass on to his family, meaning they're generating more money, brands, all of these things. So, you know, even thinking about like the, the, the wealth versus rich and the last point that I sort of think of is when we do think of the sort of uh, the wealth gap that exists, I do wonder what it would look like because those numbers are 
stark anyway when we're saying 9,000 was pretty much that average sort of, uh, you know, net worth. But even then, I think of what if you take away just the professional athletes and say rappers, uh, or I would say maybe professional athletes and some like professional entertainers, because even then, those are things where you can make it there. But I would just think sometimes when we think of that, I mean, it inflates a little because we're like, yeah, I, I feel like for every NBA player that gets a contract and, and they're able to make, you know, 10 million in a year or whatever, you've got thousands and thousands of more uh, people of their same, you know, race or background. Millions more. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm over here trying to be conservative, but let's be real. Yeah, <laughs> more, you know, but you've got millions more who are not making anything near that. Uh, and not even just because you're like, oh, this person has a $10 million contract versus this person who's making 90000 a year. It's like, no, we're talking $10 million contract versus this person who is, who, uh, who can't even think to tomorrow because they might not, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's horrible to laugh at, but that's the truth. But yo, thanks, Shannon. We're going to pick this up later. I really appreciate you doing this with me. I really didn't want to watch this alone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're welcome. Anytime. Ooh, all right, y'all. We made it through the first video. I decided to stop it there because we were just about five minutes in and had already been talking for 45 minutes. Um, to encourage you all, though, uh, the next portion of this video, part two, will be the final portion. I don't know how we did it, but somehow we got through the rest of the 15 minutes left of the video in one, in one sitting. Um, some of the main things I hope you take away from our conversation and from this podcast is that, yes, like I said, you know, mentality and how you see yourself and your behavior does affect, obviously, your outcomes. However, we cannot, I would say, actually, we must acknowledge the cumulative advantage that white people have consistently been given in this country for hundreds of years. This is more than about oppression because oppression doesn't exist without advantage. They are two sides of the same coin. Wherever there is oppression, there is also advantage being given. And white people have been given advantages and they've received those advantages because black people and people of color have been the the footstool for them to step up on so while we've been being pushed down it wasn't just being pushed down just for the sake of pushing people down it was to elevate it was to elevate them and we'll get into more of that into the next episode but the resources that i was referencing uh, so i actually mentioned the community or the documentary about levittown it's called the power of an illusion record bregman's talk the first one that i saw him at it was you can look up rudger bregman at davos it's d-a-v-o-s he gave some really really powerful comments on you know how rich people can you know can help the world be a better place uh, but i was talking about his book uh, utopia for realists and i highly suggest that i'm still reading through it i mean it's really it's a really great fun fun read and like I said, Ernest Hemingway's com uh, quote in that book says, poverty eliminates the future. And I think I do a pretty good job of explaining that. Uh, I'll give, leave all relevant links in 
the description of this episode, but we are by no means done. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and we'll be back next week. I will not have afterthoughts for this episode. I'm just going to give you part two. I think that makes the most sense. Um, I don't want to keep you all biting your nails for too long. But yeah, until then, y'all know what to do. Keep the faith and stay woke.